0: Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast.
1: Best day
0: ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their
1: best day ever every single day. The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people
0: to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day ever mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you.
1: have the best day ever
0: this episode of the live better podcast is brought to you by beam jason and i have been using beam now for quite some time and they got some new products out so we want to give you guys the inside scoop first on the docket is boost this is a nano cbd hydrogel Uh, i've been using this a lot on my ankles and my knees from all of my dunking and jump training It is amazing because it works right into the spot and it dries quickly, so you can throw it on right after or before any activity.
1: I've also been using the Clarity, which is a CBD and adaptogen blend um, for a little daily mental boost. So it's got 20 milligrams of CBD for each serving. I've been trying to start my mornings a little slower, especially if I've got something creative to do in the morning. Um, The Clarity blend boosts a to fuel your focus all day long. So some other adaptogens it includes lion's mane, rhodiola, ashwagandha. Of course, it's got CBD in it. And I usually add that to a tea alongside some type of morning coffee, or I'll add it straight into the coffee with a little bit of flavoring. Um, And it's an awesome morning boost to my creativity and to get the tasks I need to do started for the day.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Live Better podcast. This episode is brought to you by Beam. Please, when you order off their website for a discount, use code Live Better, and have the best day ever. Boom, boom. Brett and Jason here, Live Better Podcast couldn't be more excited to have Mister Knees Over Toes himself, Ben, on the podcast. We're we're really excited to have you on, brother. How you doing today?
2: I'm doing really good. I'm stoked to talk to you guys because you guys have a big purpose beyond uh, you know just looking good in the mirror. So I'm
0: really excited to, to learn more about you guys and to talk. Yeah, we, uh, we share that sentiment with you um, and your journey that you've been you know, posting about on Instagram, programs you've been, you've created. Um, I am now a part of the program, so I've, I've been in it for a few days now. and Just to be able to see the amount of care, um, I literally completed a workout a couple hours ago and had comments back on my form within 45 minutes. So, um, it's, it's, it's amazing to see that, um, and like you just said, the, the purpose behind everything is, is everything. And so, uh, let's dive in right off the top. Why the hell do I need to get my knees over my toes?
2: Yeah, man. It's like this. I went through all the traditional system, and I played basketball really hard, and I was always told not to let my knees over my toes. And the end product of that for me is I had chronic knee pain the solutions were ice and painkillers eventually i tore stuff in my knee had surgeries so by 20 years old um, i was fed up with the system and i started looking for alternatives and i found a mentor who said that actually the healthiest knee in sports will be the one that can go farthest and strongest over the toes and it kind of hit home like that's what i had been missing all along was you know, not confronting my problems, but I think knees over toes training can get a bad reputation for people jumping into it improperly. But you can now find a lot of science in different areas. If you want to protect back, you need to strengthen your back. Well, if you want protected knees, avoiding your knees is not the answer. Knees over toes is a catchy name, but really it just means that whatever those motions are in life that hurt, I have figured out ways for people to gradually strengthen the muscles responsible for those so that the knee joint itself doesn't hurt. That's it. There's no, it's not just to be cool uh, and catchy or weird. It's actually, the whole idea is a pain-free process so that when your knees are over your toes in life, in sports, then they don't hurt. That's it.
0: How does that then translate to performance? so it's so i
2: never set out for a performance yeah like, i just want to be able to play basketball in america if you go through high school you don't get recruited you're 21 years old you're not going to get a college scholarship like i just wanted to play healthy i just want to be able to play basketball without pain but if now if you think about those same positions and if you watch like elite athletes if you watch michael jordan jump and land and these kind of things well what happens when those muscles start getting stronger so I basically set out just to be able to play in my local rec league without pain. And I stumbled upon a treasure chest, ended up getting a college scholarship playing pro basketball, went from a 19 to now 42 inch vertical, which is an unofficial world record, meaning like no one really gives a shit, but I haven't ever seen anyone with measurables of that much of a change. But I never set out to jump higher and I still keep jumping higher by strengthening these same positions. I really just wanted to be able to play without pain, but if you think about those positions that we are in pain, if you had so much muscle protection around them, then actually your body starts to feel lighter, you can run faster, change direction faster. So now a lot of athletes look to me when they need to run faster and jump higher, um, but that was never the intention, and and to this day, just being able to play pain-free is still the most important thing.
0: In developing your program, your protocol, some of the specific movement patterns that you do, where did you learn from and then how did you bring them all together under the ATG?
2: Very easy to explain. I can direct people to the right sources. My original inspiration was Charles Poliquin. He's passed away, but he left a great legacy and he trained more Olympic. Uh, medalists than anyone who's ever lived. So, in you're talking from sprinters to long jumpers to you know. So, in terms of looking at the body for performance, he could you could easily argue he was the best of all time. Now, for him, he never trained less than national level athletes. Meaning, he was smart. He lived at home and offered his services for free to Canadian national team members. So he skipped the whole. You know, I, I've trained women after pregnancy, I've trained 80-year-olds, and I've often taken the kids who were nowhere near national-level athletes and made them national-level athletes. So by taking the clues he left and then trying to apply it to the common person and trying to apply it to myself, because I was not only no national-level athlete, I was made fun of at my local high school growing up. I only had two nicknames growing up. One was the old man because it would take me so long to get warmed up because I was so stiff, and the other... (laughs) The other was white bread, and I don't know exactly why I was called white bread, but I was made fun of for not being able to touch the rim. Uh, famously ran a six-second, 40-yard <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. My coach literally made me take my shoes off in front of the team to show that I didn't have weights in them. He made me run it again because like, he thought his timer was broken or something. Anyways, I was no national of athlete, so I couldn't do these things that Charles Pollock was asking people to do. So really, what I've done is I've taken things that elite athletes can do and simply tried to scale it down to something anyone can do. And if you keep sticking with it, now you'll see me doing things that I used to be the worst at that I couldn't do. And now I can do these crazy feats of strength that elite athletes can do, and I can run fast and jump high. And in mentioning Charles Polk, and I should mention that he had the, the written works that inspired me, But then there's an Australian strength coach named Keegan Smith who was a a protege of Charles Poliquin who actually had a lot of like visual, uh, you know, like videos I could see and stuff like that. So I don't want to disrespect any other coaches because I'm sure that I learned a lot from a lot more than that. But it would be so minor, like if all I knew was Charles Poliquin, Keegan Smith, and then my own trial and error along with my team here at my business. You know what I mean? Because our own trial and error here is then the, the final piece, so my own team members, but that, that was the, the journey and the path for me. And to make it in a sentence, yeah, what physically, what can the best athletes in the world do, and what if you could make a scalable system, just how anyone can get good at push-ups, well, what if you could make a scalable system for these other qualities that make people athletic?
1: So, Ben, for people who aren't um, super familiar with the program, um, first of all, I really like that approach. We should see what the most capable humans are doing from the most capable coaches and then distill them down and take similar principles and apply them like from a starting position so yeah. and Charles is a legend um, okay. where yeah. yeah where where do you start with the like average population you know and I think you know I, I think you can answer this too for kids if kids are coming to you versus like somebody like Brett and I, who are conditioned adults, but we're thirty. So where does that change if somebody's starting at eighteen or thirty, and then and maybe that your your philosophy and method starts in the same place for both? Like, can you walk us through what the starting point is? Flexibility, mobility, strength um, for people who aren't familiar with your program.
2: Yeah, so I'll I'll give one example which will paint the picture. But that is what makes this unique is that everyone follows the same path but each step scales so like just this week I shot lesson one of of a certification for coaches in my knee system and for that shot it's an 11 minute video and it's delivered through the guy that I mentioned Keegan Smith who does coaching certifications. for that lesson I specifically used two people doing the exact same Step one, I kind of have like six steps in my knee ability workout. And step one was my mom, who is 65, and a 22-year-old who is the strongest athlete that I currently train. So they did the exact same step, only it scaled to their level. So step one would be a little bit harder to explain, but step two, I could explain how two totally different people would do it. There's an exercise which is called a Patrick step-up, named after my last name. And it's a simple, imagine standing on a stair and just stepping down, but stepping down only so that your heel hits the floor, so that you don't get any bounce off the floor. You can't cheat off the bottom leg, meaning it's the leg that's standing up on the step that's doing the work. So it's a step-up, it's just a reverse step-up. You're stepping down backwards, so your knee goes over your toe. That exercise, you can start someone on a one, inch high surface with assistance so you can take eight-year-olds and actually get them back able to go up and down stairs but like my last session on this workout i do that exercise once a week for my knee ability program my last session i used 330 pounds on my back and last night i was jumping higher than ever and i currently train the guy who's jumping arguably the highest in the world, and his goal is simply to become undisputedly the highest jumping human of all time. He is doing that exercise as well with a lot of weight. So you see the very same exercise done on a 1-inch box versus a 6-inch box. There's a big difference. Now imagine an older person literally balancing to be able to do it versus then the strong, the highest jumping guy in the world doing it with well over their own body weight on their back with no external balance. So there's there's like a perfect example that everyone follows the same path because our bodies have the same common denominators, the same bones, but wide, wide, wide variance. So kids would do it body weight and then they would add weight vests so that they're not putting a bar on their back. So kids can get stupidly strong uh, and, and set them up self up for an incredible career without doing anything weird on their spine and things like that. Um, Older people usually need to start assisted. People in pain usually need to start on a lower box. And then elite athletes often need to just get much stronger in that range that they've never trained and they unlock, you know, a whole new level of jumping ability.
0: Yeah, I did those step-downs two <laughs> days ago um, off a six-incher with about 40 pounds, and I'm still sore in my VMOs. So uh, once I get to 330, I'll be doing through-the-leg windmills. <laughs> um,
2: it's, basically, it's basically if you're patient and you use the right form and you never work through pain, yep. right? Because if you're working through pain, that means you've gone beyond what the muscle can do. And muscles can recover pretty quickly, but then the muscle attaches to a tendon, which attaches to the bone, and the tendon takes longer to recover. So if you're feeling pain in that tendon, you're putting too much of a stimulus you can't recover from. But as long as you don't work through pain, but do challenge, and then you come back and you do it again, it's kind of impossible to fail. So it may not be the fastest approach, but it's a sure approach. So someone with work ethic, like how I grew up, like I had the work ethic. I was doing everything I was at. But I was just driving my body into the ground, building all kinds of imbalances and leaving myself vulnerable in certain areas. So if you have work ethic and if you're willing to, you know, study and learn, it does create a system where at least you can't fail. You know, everyone has different genetics potentials, but at least you can find out whatever the heck your genetic potential is.
0: As a business owner um, running a space, running an online program, um, how are you doing so? Um, cause we know that your program online is, is a big piece of what you're pushing and what you're gearing towards as you're starting to gain more and more clients. Um, one thing we love to talk to people about is the intimacy behind training. Um, because scale is a word that everybody throws around. People want to scale this business or get this product and scale and IPO, But with Scal, there has to be some, there there are roadblocks in order to keep the depth with clients. So within your system, how do you, if somebody signs up, how are they assured that they will get the same kind of patient client care than the first client you ever signed up?
2: Great question. So from day one when I started my business, I started with 20% of the income Going directly to a form coaching department, and I personally never did the form coaching. My job is to train the form coaches. So every single form coach that I have started out as a client who went through the system, who it changed their life. So they're not just uh, they're not just there for a paycheck. They are there because they believe in it and because they experienced it with their own body. And so I understood that I was going to have to scale. So I didn't start it out with things that I was personally going to have to do that I wouldn't be able to do later. So from day one, my job is to make the best form coaches and to make the best system of what is perfect form. Like it has to be a yes or a no. It has to be black and white. It has to be precise so that anybody can do it. So that is how I scale is that we can keep growing and the form coaching quality will be the same. And because... Product works because so many people keep getting results. I have, you know, I have an endless list of people who would want to be form coaches themselves. You see what I mean? So that's something you have to look at: is will I run out of good employees to do a job? But again, because I because of the way that I do the business, and I'm really just trying to create like real results for people and help people who are debilitated by knee pain to get out of knee pain. And when you've had a debilitating pain, which maybe has affected you for years made you think you couldn't do certain things for example the in charge of my form coaching department started out with me 17 inch vertical so like this guy's genetics were even worse than mine knee surgery within a couple years he was over 30 inch vertical got a full college scholarship for basketball and turned it down to take this position so not many people turn down a free college education let alone their own basketball career so you can see why I didn't have to stress too much about the quality with him, and he. So he cares just as much about it as I do. So I think if I think that's my best advice for scaling is like it's going to come down to, it's still going to come down to the personal touch and the people running it. And you can have a, you can think you have a good scaling concept, but if you're the one doing it, and then if the person who's going to take over is not going to have the same care that you had, then it could be disastrous for your business. So. We're actually only trying to increase service and get even better form standards, even better at you know, like I don't want service to go down as things grow. I want them to get better. Um, we still have to figure out how to hit the three AM to seven AM window. We have a guy here who goes midnight to three AM coaching form for people who are now like waking up, you know, in Europe and stuff like that. But so like we can still go farther with it and I think technology's on our side in the in the sense that like look the app is it's it gets the job done, but I think there's a lot of potential improvement there as well. Um, so you can see nothing's going to change in my scaling because the way that I set it up, it's it's uh, it's built on on real people, and it's built on you know the highest quality people I can get for that job.
0: In your um, journey, as I'm starting now, like one of my big goals for this year is to, is to throw one down. Um, can you go through some of the roadblocks? So Jason and I did the marathon last year. Um, we did it at a very fast time for it being our first one. And throughout that year's kind of journey, there are multiple roadblocks of days. You feel like shit and you have to go for a run, um, weddings on a Saturday night and your long run is scheduled on a Sunday morning, um, injuries. So Jason and I both have had injuries, um, Mental physical things Um, and I think for me and this will just get a little bit personal I knew so my goal was a sub three-hour marathon It's like 652 mile and for some reason I just knew I could do it I just knew that it was possible I could run fast I had never run more than 10 miles in my life, but I just knew I could do it dunking for some reason I still am tinkering in my head. And I am a very optimistic person that there is still like a 20% chance that I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. So I'm, I'm kind of fighting this mental battle. And luckily I've surrounded myself with Jason, who's signing up for the ride. Um, another coach I have in Chicago who I want to introduce you to after this podcast. Um, and I, I got a team that's, that's, that's getting me there. Um, your services. And, and so that's, that 20% is starting to dwindle away. But there are days I go in and I'm like, getting the net is a grind. <laughs> so what were some of the challenges that you went through from this you know, world record feat of 19 to soon to be 50 inches vert um, so that when people are on this journey, whether it's dunking or starting a new job, it doesn't matter um what were some of the things you went through and then how did you overcome them
1: okay
2: number i mean number one i was shocked when i got the ability to dump so you have to understand that you're starting out and your goal is to dump i that was not my goal and it was only because i was i kept doing the workouts and i was playing basketball with guys who after a while just based on how i moved and stuff started saying like dude you could dump and i was like there's no freaking way you know what i mean so I not like, wasn't trying to dunk and had doubts about dunking. Like it didn't even occur to me that I would be able to dunk. And then they kind of showed me like how to practice and how to jump to some degree. And then I realized like like I like there's actually a chance of that. So when I did get the ability to dunk, I basically like made my parents like come to the court. It <laughs> was, was just like insane to me. So uh, I didn't care how embarrassing that was. Like so with our so like the way we do the online coaching is i brought in a guy whose full-time job is to coach people on their jump technique so i think it's a really important thing that you actually send in your jump reps um because having a mentor who's like walked the path that you're trying to walk and again could i do that yeah but then how could i scale that right but i make Freak jumpers, like an assembly line. Like, I already have a kid in college who can hit his head on the rim. Like, so we're talking, like, almost 50-inch vertical. He can't wait to work for me. So, again, with the scaling thing, um, so I don't personally do that jump technique coaching, but I got someone who's even better than me at that. So he's made dozens and dozens of dunkers now. And I just think having someone who's walked the path that you're trying to walk is going to be really important, and he lives jumping and will be able to give you the right feedback at the right time help you stay on the right path but in terms of in terms of hurdles that i see for people trying to dump i think the number one thing is imagine if you went out each week and you actually did jump an inch higher which is so little that you wouldn't even really notice it you'd be like did i really jump an inch higher you know what i mean but that would be 52 inches in a year and no one's ever even jumped that high. So like if you started out, you literally couldn't levitate off the ground, <laughs> you couldn't raise your heels. And if you only added an inch, meaning like not even enough to notice, then by the end of the year, you'd be the highest jumping human of all time. You see how small the, like, the actual result is there when it comes to jumping? So I do think that's the number one hurdle is recognizing that there's different ways to notice if you're making progress and honestly, having someone else to determine that for you, having someone else to say, you're on the right track, I can see this improving, I can, you know what I mean? Like, So I, I think that's key, and even for me, I've continued to jump higher now that I hired him because rather than trying to look at my own jumping and think, oh my God, because the same thing when I was at like a 38 inch vertical, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to jump any this? like on my best day at the right moment when I like I'm pretty sure like gravity just switched for like a second like 38 inch vertical you know what I mean and now I can do 42 inches and I, I when I bring out like the vertical measuring thing I remember like I couldn't touch 11 feet high that was like my nemesis like I just didn't think I'd ever be able to touch 11 feet high at around 10 9 you can dump and now I'm touching 11 4 like every try so And that's from age 27 to 28. So you see what I mean? So even a year ago, I didn't think I would jump any higher, and now I'm jumping four inches higher. So I think you just have to have someone else to tell you if you're on the right track, someone who can do a lot more than you. And I'm sure you can relate from the running, right? Like people probably start running and they expect like, oh, man, I didn't shave a minute off my time today or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, But same thing there. Probably if you took a minute off every week, then you'd be running impossibly fast. You know, so that's that's the best advice I can give you on the hurdles and stuff is stay focused on every little measurable you can get to go up because maybe that week it's the five pounds more in an exercise or you know what I mean or maybe your jump coach that week says you you pushed into your jump better, um, but and, and then take those wins and feel good about them because there's been a lot of studies done that you can even lie to someone and tell them they're getting worse, and they will then actually get worse because their testosterone tanks, and you can lie to someone and tell them they're getting better, even if they're not, you can literally lie to them, like they've tested this with sprinters and had them run 101 meters, and then 102 meters, but then another group running 99 meters, and then 98, by the end, all the guys who are being lied to, thinking they're getting faster, actually got a lot faster, their testosterone was through the roof, they were just being lied to, so... Get a, I guess get a good coach who will lie
1: to you.
0: And that's why why cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah. The placebo effect is a real thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it goes both ways, though. Like yeah. A lot of people placebo themselves out of winning at life because they, they are too hard on themselves.
0: Totally. I think that, you know, our entire mindset of a business is to have the best day ever. And it is that in itself, is that you are the ultimate tool in your head
2: that decides if that is possible or not
0: um and I you can't
2: resonate with that more in college that was my favorite song best day of my life or whatever kind of a cheesy song so yeah so <laughs> That's and, a... uh, and my whole thing like once my knees didn't hurt anymore anymore like one of my mottos is every day for me is better than any day used to be like i try to make myself grateful like it's true like every single day is better for me now than any day was when I was depressed because of my knee pain. Like, maybe that day, walk my dog, go to the gym, do like an average business day, go home. Like, that was the best day ever, you know what I mean? Like, so I try to just stay really grateful that, you know, now I have these needs.
1: And that's such an amazing story, Ben, too, because it just shows other people like, what fixing the root problem can actually unlock. Like you said, dunking yeah. wasn't even on my radar right you just started yeah. doing these things because you wanted to fix your own knee pain you took that problem you turned it into a solution and then you said oh wow i realized i can help so many other people with that and like now you're throwing down windmill dunks it's just like pretty cool i think especially like we transitioned out of corporate jobs and into doing this and field questions daily being like you know how how are you guys doing this like tell me about that and i'm like it's not a day it wasn't a day turnover Like, this is, we we didn't even dream of doing any of this stuff at the beginning. At first, we just wanted to help people get healthier. And before that, it was selfish. It was, I feel like my self-care sucks in a corporate office. Like, how can I just give myself a little more mental energy and be more positive in an environment that is not inherently set up to make people feel like that? And then that has now turned into, you know, all types of Amazing. great fun projects we've gotten to do and I think your story is just very telling and I think what's also cool is it breaks all types of like physical stereotypes of like well this is just how I made this yep. is just how it is I just have to deal with pain or I have to deal with being short or I have to deal with not being able to jump high and then yep. as you said like yeah well if enough people reaffirm that for you and you listen like that's now your reality Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think what's interesting is, you know, we have you guys and I have totally different lives that have never known each other. But what's interesting is that we've both been able to make our own path and we both have a similar philosophy. So I think it's interesting that we have like the same mindset on things and that's led to us having then like similar lives. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think the the mindset and the honestly just like the belief systems that you have um set you up for what it is you want to do. And I think the one thing that, you know, we and and you're doing this too, um is that you can change those things. So the hurdle that I'm going through in my head right now of that that 20% saying I can't do it. If I surround myself with you, and Jason, and the right people, and they just say, yo, bro, like you are getting better. That's going to diminish over time. If and I I'll, dunk, you'll dunk. And in my <laughs> head too, and it's very similar. I mean, you know, there's the there's a bunch of quotes about after the first guy ran a sub four minute mile, like 50 people ran it the next year. Um, I mean, honestly, just like seeing people like yourself throw down dunks, I'm just like, all right, I can do this. Like it, it is a and, – and that, and that dunk, right, is is one piece of it. It's – It's beyond that single feat, Um, and I know that when Jason and I did the marathon, we were fielding so many questions from clients and people that follow us about, how'd you do it? Like, you guys crushed it, and it was like, and it's so cool because that marathon or that dunk or whatever that is, starting your own business, is is just one piece of the entire journey, which is fueled essentially by, like, your life philosophy. Um, How do you you approach the day?
2: You can have a great marriage. You can start your own business and make it work. But, yeah, I mean, find people who are actually doing it because it can be hard to have that belief on your own, you know? Totally. So so that was, there There was enough clues there from Charles Pogba and Keegan Smith that I could see, like, there was, a, there was like a couple examples in there of like guys who had come back from ACL surgery, there's that, and that was the first time it was like, wow, like a guy came back from ACL and then freaking won an olympic medal you know what i mean like it it gave me honestly it gave me hope you know and that was i think that was the first thing i had seen that wasn't like now i'm able to like get by and things aren't too bad and i can keep it at bay this was the first thing i'd seen that was like no you can actually like crush and like surge past what was a problem before so that gave me hope you know what i mean And, and it it was a pretty tough path on my own But then even down to one of the guys on my team it took one guy on my team telling me like you could dump you know what i mean and and so you don't have to figure out everything on your own you just have to find that person who who can do it and who can give you the confidence that you can dump you can start your own business or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve you can like you could help someone run a marathon who wants to run a marathon you could inspire them with that confidence, and you could, of course, help them with the actual tactical side of it, but who's to say that the belief side isn't, like, the most key part of the equation?
0: I, I honestly think it is. I think that, like, where there's a will, there's a way. Like, those sayings are true, and I yep. think I wouldn't have found you we wouldn't be having this conversation if i hadn't done research to try to find people that are doing the shit i want (laughs) to do and it's like once you get on that path and now like i know that i'm going to be sending videos your way and like people on your team are going to see them and it's going to fuel me to do to do more um one step off that path and on the technical path can you walk us through selfishly me a good jump
2: well, I'll definitely do my best, um, but Connor, our jump guy, too, he'll he'll like self record himself analyzing your videos. It's pretty cool. So
0: that dude is a insane. savage yeah. dunker. I
2: know, I know. And you know what it was for him? His knee hurt too bad to jump. Like it, things were looking pretty grim, and I was like, no, no, no. Like I promise you can get your. Knee we
0: got we got to get him on an NBA team for one day, so we could be in the dunk contest. <clears throat> Just so we could be in the dunk contest at the All Star game. That dude throws down the nastiest dunks I've ever seen. Get him the one-day contract so we can throw him in the All-Star game.
2: He's only going higher, and we all believe in him, so I know he'll do it. But my point was just that if he tells you something different, don't. uh, You know, I'm just going to tell you from my perspective, okay? Yep. So, with the, in a basketball jump, what makes it really interesting is you're, you're getting a running start into that jump. So it opens up this whole world of, like... The more, like, momentum you can build up before you jump, the more you can potentially jump. But that also means the more force your knees and your ankles are going to have to have. So there's kind of a smooth process of taking the speed and turning it into a jump. So your feet, when you eventually do jump, your feet are not going to be just, like, side by side. So it'll actually be, like, your final step when you jump will actually be a little bit past the previous foot so you're, you're almost trying to like turn your run into a jump and the less smooth that transition is like the shittier the jump is going to be. Does that make sense? So you, it's the more power and speed you can build up into the jump the higher you're going to be able to go but it can't be like a choppy transition so you have to smoothly go from running into jumping with your final step kind of slightly past the other foot that so you're not just stopping abruptly and cutting off that momentum, um, and then I, I guess in my mind, I just think like boing, like I think like you gotta just like think like there's springs in your leg, think like there's like a trampoline on the ground or something. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of put put that into your mind. Um, that's what goes through my head. Connor will probably give you a much more. <laughs>
0: I love thing. that. Do you find yourself or clients? Having a better one-foot or two-foot jump
2: It's so, so relative to the person. Okay. It can even go, they jump. I, I've tested guys who jump as high as 13 inches higher off one leg than the other leg when they do a running start. So the number one factor is like whichever one you practice the most. Um, but then there does get to be some exercise stuff they can relate more. The way we do our programs is we actually try to build it so that someone can jump evenly high not only off one foot or two foot, but also stepping in right-left or left-right evenly, and then jumping off a of one leg, jump, being able to jump evenly high. Like if I was training a high jumper, I would want them to be able to get evenly high approaching from the left or the right side, because I think that's what would make the healthiest guy, and I believe that then creates a slingshot effect where now because you're formerly non-bounce leg becomes bouncier itself, you're able to actually harness a little more force into the jump because it is even if you jump off one foot you can't deny that it's a full body activity because how high can you jump off one foot without a running start very very little compared to the ratio of a two-foot jump standstill to a two-foot jump running you see that so a standing one-legged jump versus a running one-legged jump it's exponentially higher when you get a running start so clearly the other leg is involved a lot and we've yet to see an outlier where someone can't get higher by bringing up their formerly like weak or non-jump leg. And we're seeing that, and it's one of the things we're trying to prove with, with Connor, our jump guy right now, is so I force him once a week. So he gets to jump twice a week, and one of those two jump sessions, he's forced to, to balance his jump. So we do, like, mirror in So he wants to jump with the right-left step. I make him try to duplicate that with the left-right step. Um, and, and over the last year it's been working really, really well. So you can see it's, you know, people will gravitate towards one or the other, one foot or two foot, but obviously what would make the ideal basketball player? Obviously all, any of the four ways of jumping would make the ideal basketball player. So that's what we do. And it would be hard to argue that if you could do that, that you wouldn't be more healthy. And when you play the game, your mechanics themselves would be smoother. You wouldn't get into awkward positions. I can trace Derek Rose's first ACL simply to the fact that he only ever jumped with a left-right step off two feet or with the left leg off one foot, meaning the left leg is going heel-toe, and the right leg is never going heel-toe. So when he did a routine move that the right leg should have absorbed the force, it wasn't even on jump, just a routine move, the left leg had to awkwardly come in and do what the right leg should have done, and, and that was his first ACL tear. No one ever bothered to tell him. You're putting tens of thousands of forces into your body, only with a heel ball plant through the left leg. Never heel ball through the right. So, yeah, I I could I probably lost like ninety nine percent of people listening <laughs> don't play
1: basketball. No, I mean that, no, that, no. that that anecdote is perfect because it goes back to the sense of developing a well-rounded athlete which is a better base to then develop skills on top of. Like, you can't go – you walked through a a ton of good examples. Like, you can't go to dunking. By nature, you will need to put force through one leg or both legs without solving the need for having stronger joints and muscular control. And I think it's just it's such a good example because it it also lends itself to other sports like golf. You're seeing guys – be able to play more tournaments now because you've got younger, stronger guys in the gym, like golf, maybe even more than basketball because at least like in basketball, you don't choose the flow of the game, like it's dynamic. So it you have to go both legs. Now, in Derek's case, he should have been focusing more on both legs, but he's still certainly capable of like driving to his right or his left. And in most of those NBA, NBA players case, like. True, their true athleticism comes from being able to dunk in a dynamic environment not in an empty gym off both legs yeah. like the fact that they can do that is absolutely absurd but you yeah. you notice like how are all these athletes playing more time more games in golfers terms like more minute or are more tournaments without these injuries that have been plaguing older generations it's like because they're getting better athletic performance from building a stronger foundation on top of which they develop Game skills and dunking would be like is a is a game skill. It's not even yep. if you could jump high, like I. It doesn't guarantee that you're putting the ball in the hoop. So I think you walked through a, a ton of really great things, and it just goes to proof that we're building good athletes. On top of which, like skill gets added to, just like speed or strength would get added on top of a strong foundation. I think it was a great walkthrough.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the fundamentals are still gonna be what allow you to have long-term success and just to clarify the stats there like you know the nba guys are definitely jumping as high as ever but injury rates are soaring so guys are guys are jumping high but if you look at nba injury rates it's absolutely absurd the 90s 2000 2010s all the way to 2020 it is a skyrocket ride the injury rates are going out of control in the nba and especially in terms of knee injuries. So what they're doing is, they're putting all this horsepower in there, but they're not training their ankles and knees. I train NBA players. They tell me how horrible these NBA strength coaches are who don't do anything for their ankles and knees. Uh, Right now, 21%, so more than one in five players in the NBA cannot suit up for the game on a given night. And that's the highest injury rate by far. Like, it's more than doubled, especially knee injuries. And the main thing that's changed over the last decade is guys are trying to get stronger now. The strength coaches are pushing guys in the weight room, but they're getting their hips and their upper body really strong, and they're neglecting their knees and ankles. And I know this from training actual NBA players who are disgusted by their powerlifting strength coaches who don't address their ankles and knees, even if they're in pain. And the top, top players get to do what they want. They don't have to listen to the strength coaches. They have their own trainers. But unless you're like one of the stars of the team, you're potentially subject to a guy who may have never played basketball, who can't jump high, who can't dunk, who doesn't know what it's like to put that wear and tear, and then they're putting 365 pounds in the bar and telling you to squat it. And you're, you're talking about not a centimeter of knee and ankle action and just powering up the hips more and more to put even more trauma into the ankles and knees. So it's a problem that... As these rates keep going up, they're gonna have to do something about it because it's just getting out of hand and, and even LeBron is saying now how kids are even showing up to go into the NBA and they're already, you know, in all kinds of knee pain. So it's an epidemic happening right now in basketball that they're not building from the ground up. They're going for the short term, heavy weight, and they're not you know, they're not uh they're not putting the fundamentals in. It's the same as if you try to start a business and you, you don't know how to run your finances and these kind of things, you could have a great product and your
0: business could flop a hundred percent i think building the basis is super important um so you become the lead strength coach for the nba you get to write everyone's strength program what ankle and knee stuff are you putting so that Derek doesn't get hurt so that uh kevin durant doesn't fuck up his achilles so that zion can turn into the actual potential athlete that he's going to be
2: Yeah, so physically they're doing the knee ability program, and then on the court, all I'm looking for is taking these insanely talented guys and just balancing their talents, so that insane dunk they do or that insane move they do, I'm just getting to balance their body the other way, Um, and and with your point with golfers, I even think that golfers would see, because now it's, uh, I mean, physical therapy for for golfing is like a billion dollar plus business now. I think you'd cut a good chunk of that just by making guys alternate which day, which hand they play with. And you might think I'm crazy, but getting a guy so he's not just swinging and swinging only in one way but balancing the other way, his hips, his shoulders, there would be less injuries. Um, so that's what I would do with basketball guys, and that's what i do in person. I had an NBA player here during the All-Star break, and in four days, he said it was the highest he's jumped in his life, is the best he's felt on the court in four days of knee ability plus jump balance
0: and the balance work I do on the court. In regards to, in regards to balance in a single direction sport like golf, are you saying that in that, like, I know balance is maybe not the the greatest word, but being able to do things both directions, do you think that there is an increase in performance when you do that, or just a decrease in injury?
2: I do, and I think people should do it from the decrease in injury perspective. But, like, I can shoot a basketball with either hand, and it looks the same. And you wouldn't know if I'm right-handed or left-handed. And I learned that from a guy named Rick Mount, who teaches a knee-over-toe basketball shot. He's 70 years old, and he can still make 95 out of 100 off the dribble jumpers. He has no social media, doesn't know anything about marketing, has the worst business skills of all time. But if you saw him, you'd go, holy shit, how does this guy not have millions of followers? One of the most amazing athletic feats you've ever seen and he can make 95 out of 100 with either hand. And if you look him up, he averaged over 30 a game for Purdue back when they didn't have a three-point line. He was just elevating like three feet off the ground every jump shot, eventually lost to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, formerly Luel Sinder, in, in the final game of the championship game. And Rick Mount was overshadowed by Pistol Pete Erevich. Pistol was averaging over 40 a game on a team that didn't even go to the frickin' tournament. His dad was the coach. Meanwhile, Rick was averaging 39 a game but getting – not getting the same love because Pistol is averaging a few more points, which is kind of bullshit, because Rick Mount would have averaged 50-plus if his dad was the coach <laughs> on, a, on a team where he could just shoot as much as he wanted without even having to win games. Uh, so, perfect example of a guy with poor business skills who's wasted his talent. It's, it's a shame. I've been up there, I've worked at his camp, and you're talking the best shooter of all time, performance-wise, and he shoots evenly with each hand, and he's still Healthy and shooting in his 70s, so people will laugh at it. But yeah, every quarterback should be trying to throw just as hard and look identical with either arm because it reduces the wear and tear in their shoulder by 50%. It improves their leg power, reduces injuries in their hips. Every baseball player should be trying to throw with either arm, hit with either hand. Uh, every golfer should be trying. If they just want to be the best and don't care about looking like a dork, they will play. So I yeah, get my if lefty want, swing up. Yeah. <laughs> if they played two days of golf one day they'd play right handed one day they'd play left handed
0: I yeah I think I love that um, I think there's, there's so much value in that I also think the one thing that we didn't discuss is from a mental perspective you just write with your opposite hand for the next day like you get a headache so I think there is a massive mental side of being able to do that and for basketball specifically so. if you aren't ambidextrous, like good luck going up when LeBron's trying to th- throw one down or or trying to block you and you try to scoop under with your right hand, but you're lefty, like you have yeah. to be able to use both arms. Um, yeah. And I really think from a true mental perspective, it builds up like your awareness, your brain power, the ability to think under stress um, and would be a huge benefit for all athletes.
2: Yeah, and maybe it's only – a small percent but a small percent is a big deal um, so I, I'm. it looks dorky um, athletes will often rebel against it at first but I'm a huge fan of being as ambidextrous as possible for your sport
1: it's hard <laughs> we, we were going yesterday uh, or last week we we went through a, a jump session and I've kind of just like hopped in on the back end of um, of Brett's goal to be able to do this but I had a super nasty injury at the beginning of 2018 that was kind of like life altering for me, for my, for my leg, just like ripped my hamstring off my hip and it came off my jump leg. So, and it's also just, it's interesting, like listening to you talk about that too, because I grew up playing soccer and I was okay lefty, still like a, still a powerful kicker. I can sprint off both legs, but definitely way more stable off my left leg. And it has been interesting now try to come back to jump because we were doing approaches from both sides. And the first couple times I ever tried jumping off my right leg, my non-dominant jumping leg, I'm definitely a one-legged jumper for sure. It's yeah, 6, yeah, 8, yeah. 12, 15 inches yeah. different. Um,
2: players usually one-foot jumpers because the way they kick the ball is actually similar to a one-foot plant. So like If you look at that recent clip of Cristiano Ronaldo going off one foot, so absurd. That was nothing to scoff at. Like even from a basketball perspective, like that guy could be a that like if he wanted to, he could be like a world class jumper. But it actually creates like I have a friend who, again, the the practice side of it is more important than the physical side. Meaning his physical characteristics would indicate not a good one foot jumper, and he's a great one foot jumper. And he didn't grow up playing basketball, he grew up playing soccer. And so that plant is very similar on the kick, and it's, it's very similar on a one-foot jump.
1: Totally. And, it, yeah, and it, that first of all, that Cristiano Ronaldo header goal was absolutely outrageous. That was yeah. so absurd. In-game, with the, with somebody in front of him. Um, but I've also yeah. seen him, you've seen that video of him jumping up and heading that ball on like a tetherball thing over a field goal. He almost smashes his forehead over the field goal post. Yeah. Um, but in this workout, we were going left foot, right foot. And the first couple of times I tried off my right foot, it just went absolutely nowhere. And then we came back to it and I touched the rim for the first time going off of my non-dominant jump leg. And yep. it just goes to show like practicing the skill of, Boeing, of, of going both ways, men, both mentally and physically, I think reaffirms just like jumping mechanics in in like – as an overview. Like if I just want to jump, I should be balanced going one way or the other because now if I feel comfortable also jumping a little bit off my right leg, that confidence then translates back to my left leg. It's yep. like a bit, the, the back and forth is is so informative and I think like just a good translation and like anecdote for any of that is building that opposite skill shores up weakness which then translates to even more overall strength on top of which then you can add more skill and more strength and more speed yeah. to whatever you're doing.
2: Build, build your weakest link, and you probably have gold at the end of the tunnel. For me, it was social media. Like I thought, social media was for pussies, and you know, I, I was the guy in the trenches who literally just scoffed at people doing social media. Right? Like that was like my worst skill was social media. And so uh, May 27th last year, I decided I took a whole a totally different viewpoint, and I decided. That I was actually going to get good at social media. So the 51,000 followers you see, I started my account May 27, 2019, and I probably spent a few years on social media. Prior to that, on my own, getting like maybe over a four-year period, got like 2,000 followers. <laughs> so, uh, and, and now my whole business has, has literally 10x, you know, um, just doing my same shit in the trenches, but combining that with what my weakest link was, social media literally 10x my business so whatever your weakest link is it's actually probably where you have the most room to grow it's really interesting
0: 100 percent um and and we love that and we and we thank you for for you know showing up to the podcast today and, and being here and being present and and dropping some knowledge on us we we love to ask everybody we talked about the best day ever um if you could wake up tomorrow anywhere in the world do anything you want with anybody, eat anything, dunk on anyone, dunk over anyone, (laughs) dunk with anyone. Um, what would your best day ever be?
2: Tomorrow.
0: Honestly, like I wouldn't change anything about it. I love it. That's the best. Just wake up and see what What, what does an average day look like for you?
2: So walk my dog two miles every morning. Um, never miss a day. If it's raining out, he doesn't mind the rain. So me and my wife put on our swim trunks and just go for a walk. Um that's that's always got to be the start of my day. And then the rest is uh, you know, ATG, which really kind of alternates between like basketball days and workout days. So again, I I get in there with my athletes. I train in the gym and train them, and on the court, I play, I do like whatever we're doing on the court like so I I equally do it as the athlete. Like I go through everything fully and i take you know others along and uh, with me so super fun like i'm not even just sitting there coaching i'm i'm getting to do it you know what i mean now there's a lot of there's a lot of then back-end work time spent on social media time spent answering client uh messages like all my all my members online get my personal whatsapp number so when the when my day finishes in the gym then you know i answer these questions it's like uh it's like a, a catch, you know, for anything that could be going off, if I could steer them in the right direction and guide them. And so, like, there's a lot of time spent on that. But at the same time, that's – sure, I might be answering the same, same question a lot. Um, but I'm also getting to hear the winds from people. And that's – that's outside of family, like, that's really my highlight. You know what I mean? It's just seeing the actual winds coming in. So I wouldn't you know, obviously, I wouldn't trade that part, even though it is more – time-consuming tedious work it's not as fun as dunking but it's more meaningful to hear about other people dunking um so yeah so i i can't think of anything i would change if i if i could change something then you know that would be that would be the reality you know
0: totally and i think that's that's what everybody is striving for and i think the fact that you followed this path um and it's the darkest days that brought you here um it's the fact that you've identified your weakness and not shoved it under the bed but said you know what i'm gonna fucking go after this um you've seen results um in your personal journey and your business and what you're doing and we applaud you for that um where can people find out about you where are you guys located can people come in and train with you uh can you tell us more about where to find out about the program and and the coaches that are involved with that as well
2: definitely and i super appreciate you guys and and You know, I I think we're going to have a a good long journey together, being there as, you know, colleagues for each other, you know, so definitely let me know anything I can do to help you guys out as well. Uh, I think a lot of my followers will listen to this, so, um, you know, make an Instagram post or something like that for my guys so they can listen to it and find out about you. But for me, Instagram is for right now because I told you I was trying to get social media down, so I'm like, all right, let me just start with one, so... I'm going to try to get down Facebook and Twitter and these other things, but Instagram, I really do answer every DM, so like anyone listening to this can send me a DM if they have any questions, Uh, Instagram, 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 and my link to my website is right there, there's no long-term contract, all the programs are in full, you get daily coaching, Uh, you know, the idea was to copy like a Chick-fil-A kind of business where you just really put like you just really flow into the service as much as you can as much you know personal attention as you can and then from from that you know the business will tend to work itself out and, and that is what's happened to us we have an affordable price but we constantly are working at improving the service so we will be there like we're not going anywhere this is full time for us seven days a week didn't take a day off last year definitely won't be this year christmas you can still dm me and i will answer it so instagram it's a good
0: place to start incredible and what is the instagram account that people should be looking at
2: knees over toes guy
0: all right knees over toes guy uh thank you so much for spending time with us uh we appreciate you having appreciate having you on the show um and i will guarantee some of our peeps will be following along your journey um because i'll be tagging the hell out of you now (laughs) that that i'm doing these these jumps so uh just want to thank you for opening up. Want to thank you for sharing your time uh, with us. And we wish you the best day ever.
2: Hey, I wish you guys the best day ever. And uh, just promise to be on my, on my podcast when you dunk and we'll talk about how good that feels. Oh, 100%. percent <laughs> a minute. it. All right, guys.
0: Thanks, brother. Thanks, dude.